on 3W. Give God a shout of praise this morning. Come on, one more time. Like if it was for him, not for me. It's for God. Give God a shout of praise this morning. With all that you have, give it on to him. And we thank you, Father, for you are good and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, say hello to somebody this morning. God is good and faithful. And God will never, ever, ever abandon his people. Thank you, gentlemen. God will never let go. He will always be there. But man, you need to stop taking that for granted. Sometimes we take for granted the fact that God is always going to be there. And we need to run to him. And he is faithful. He will never, ever let you go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is there. need to surrender yourself fully to him. Because not until we surrender to him are we going to receive what he has for us. And we try to hold on so tight to everything, not realizing that letting go of that, we walk into the freedom that he has for us. We grab, we hold. And when you make a fist, man, it, it, you're not going to get your hand out of the hole you stuck it in. You got to let go so that you can get back to what God has for you. And we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness and your goodness. there in his presence. There is a peace in his presence. There is a rest in his presence. He's holding us this morning. His presence is holding us. Soak it in. Breathe it in. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I am unapologetic about two things. I am unapologetic about pursuing the presence of God, and I'm unapologetic about getting people saved. That is what we are striving to do as this body. It's the vision of our church, equipping us, us being equipped 
to live a life of worship that will cause change. It's not about us. It's about God. And too many times we have made going to a service about us. And I'll hear people say things like this. I love the way Landon explains it um, or says it. When people say, man, I didn't get anything out of church today. Well, that's fine. It wasn't for you. It was for God. So if you come to church to get something for you, that's not the intent. The intent is to please God. And when his presence shows up, by a byproduct, we are blessed. But it is not for you. And so when we come into a service expecting something for us, when you're driving to church thinking, I'm going because I need a word today, I, 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 you're not coming with the mindset of I'm going to just give you honor, God. See, when you go to a birthday party, it's not about you. It's about the birthday party person. When you go to the baby shower, it's not about you. It's about the baby. When you go to a wedding, it's not about you. It's about the couple. When you go to church, it's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about God. You coming to receive from God is a byproduct of you coming to give God what is his. Your time, your worship, your love, your words, you give that to him. And by a byproduct, he blesses you. Because it's not about us. We need to shift that in our mindset. We come for you. It's all about you. It's not. Man, it, it, that's why sometimes when I'm up here in worship, I turn around. I don't want, I, I'm not here for you. As a matter of fact, I was even thinking, I think I'm going to move the stuff out of the way. Worship's going to be on that side. Like the, all, This is just, we need to focus on, we're here for you. Sometimes we walk in and we think people are here to give us a performance. That's not why they're worshiping. Which is why we get into the presence of God before Spanish service. Sometimes we're in here just worshiping and weeping in the presence of God without service having started. Because we're here to get into the heart of God. If you're just standing watching, that's a problem. Online, if you're just watching and that's it, you just watch the service like you're watching NCIS, you're not going to get anything out of it. It's a pretty cool show. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> we get into the presence of God and we press into the presence of God when we come with the mindset that we are here for God. I'm here for you. Actually, I want you to say that this morning. God, I'm here for you. God, I'm here for you. Online campus, you can type it on the comment box. God, I'm here for you. Because that's what we, that's what it's about. It's not about anything else, but about him. Amen? Come on, can you give God one more hand of praise this morning? I need a sip of water. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is good.
Today, we're going to be concluding season two of Potholes of Life. Now, don't be sad. It has been renewed, and there will be a season three in February, all right? Um, the more I've studied for this, the Lord has just been showing me more potholes. And so season three is, is, is in the works, all right? But today, we're going to be concluding uh, season number two of Potholes of Life, and as you drive around the city, have you ever noticed that there are certain places that no matter if they come and they fill the road, it just erodes and the pothole gets bigger in the same exact spot? And, said, and what we're going to talk about today is one of those potholes in our lives, one that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and happens over and over. So I want to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you've got your Bible, and I pray that you do. It's funny, I had a meeting with Abigail's teachers the other day, and um, one of the Bible, the Bible teacher was talking to us about things. He's like, I don't know if you, you know, if you, if you use like a physical Bible or you use like, you know, your phone or whatever. I was like, no, I believe in physical Bible. Like, I, I believe we need to have a Bible that you can underline and you can do, like, you need to have it. And it works even if there's no internet. It works even if there's no power because it is the power, all right? But look at what 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse number 1 says. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Can I tell you what perilous means? It means harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous. In other words, stuff's going to happen, okay? And then look what it says in verse number two. For men, and by the way, this is talking about mankind. Don't, women don't look and say, this is all about my husband, okay? This is mankind. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Oh, that's so deep right there because there's a very powerless church living in the society today. Having form of godliness but denying its power. And look what he says. And from such people, turn away. Don't associate. Don't hang out. Now, the reality is that we can do multiple series on potholes on these three verses, right? I mean, look at all the things that it says. But I want to focus on one specific one that's right there at the beginning. In verse number two, it says, unthankful. Some translations say, ungrateful. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the pothole of ungratefulness. The pothole of ungratefulness. See, many of us live a life where we thank God on Thanksgiving, but every other time we just complain about things, right? I remember hearing a story about a little boy that decided that he should be compensated for the things he did at home. So he started telling mom, I need to be compensated. You owe me. So he wrote a bill for mom and left it on the table that said, for cleaning my room, $1. For unloading the dishwasher, $1. For taking out the trash, $1. And for cleaning up, $1. Bill total, $1. 
$4. Left the note for mom. Mom saw the note, pulled out another piece of paper, <laughs> took out $4 and put it on top of it and wrote this. For carrying you in my womb, zero dollars. For washing your clothes, zero dollars. For cooking you food every day, zero dollars. Bill total, zero dollars. The little boy saw the four dollars and read the note from mom and realized how ungrateful he had been for what he thought he deserved. See, that's part of the society we're living in today. Everybody thinks they deserve everything. No, it's ungratefulness that we have. And that ungratefulness is one of the things that God says is a sign of the end times, people. And it's something that we see actually in the children of Israel over and over again. It was like the biggest ditch that they would hit. I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to start in Numbers chapter 11, and then I'll reference you some things. But go to Numbers chapter 11. Some people are like, Numbers? Like, what number? Numbers, one of the first books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. That's all the first and seconds. All right, never mind. All right. <laughs> Lamentations. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. No, all right, never mind. All right, I'm digressing, and I need to stop singing. All right. Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse number four, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt. Look at this now. The cucumbers. The melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. El sofrito, right? El sofrito. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Can I tell you something? Ungratefulness is a heart condition. It's a heart condition. The children of Israel had left Egypt, but Egypt was still in their hearts. So even though God was giving them manna from heaven, where they didn't have to work for it, where six days a week they went out there and it was there, and on the sixth day he gave them double so that he could have a day off on the Sabbath, they looked and they said, all we have is this manna. I wish we were in Egypt. Now let's talk about Egypt for a second. Let's talk about the ungratefulness in this heart of the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. Egypt was a place of slavery, number one. So that's where it makes the reference that God would give them a day off. In Egypt, they had to work seven days a week. They had to make, make all these bricks, and they were being so hard on them that they didn't even give them the straw to bake the bricks, bricks and required more bricks from him. If that wasn't enough... They say, the fish we ate freely, it wasn't free. They were slaves. They may have had fish and onions and garlic and some of these things to make a massive Israeli sofrito, but it wasn't free. 
It costed them their servitude. It cost their freedom. Hmm. Be weary of what comes free because it usually costs your freedom. That's a good Twitter thing. Somebody tweet that out. What did I say? Be careful what you get free because it will cost you your freedom. And that's what they were saying. We want to go back. I don't, you, you brought us out of Egypt, which, by the way, they asked to leave. What, write, write that down. You wrote that down already. I, I saw some of you snapping it. Ungratefulness is a heart condition. Here's the second thing. Ungratefulness leads to complaining. Complaining again and again and again. Right? They did it. I'm going to remind you. God, we're in slavery. Set us free. God says, all right, cool. Moses spoke to Moses in front of a burning bush. Go talk to Pharaoh. He goes. The 10 plagues come. Sends Israel out with all the gold, with all the stuff from the land. Blesses them beyond measure. All these different things. And they get out into the wilderness and they get to the Red Sea. And then they start saying, Moses, did you bring us here in order to die? So God opens the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. The desert is cold at night, and it's hot during the day because there's no shade. So what would God do? Give them a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm and a cloud by the day to give them shade. They got to the place where they were like, oh, there's no water. Did you bring us out here to die? Water coming out of the rock. But all they would do was complain, complain, complain. Why? Because they were ungrateful of where they were. They were ungrateful for the manna. They were ungrateful for the freedom. They were ungrateful for the things that God had given them. And can I tell you something else that that does? Ungratefulness blinds us from the condition we were in. It blinds us from the condition we were in. Think about it for a second. They wanted to go back to slavery to have fish with garlics, leeks, and onions. Not realize that the condition they were in was so bad that they were praying, God, get me out. But I want to go back. We do that so many times in our life. God delivering me from this thing then he takes this relationship out and you see the person blossoming and all these different things and then you want to go back to the bondage you were in we see it happen over and over again why because of ungratitude because of ungratefulness ungratefulness blinds us to the condition that we were in can I tell you something else that ungratefulness does? And it's not a point that I typed up, but I, I got to share it. Ungratefulness makes God angry. Do you mean God gets angry? Yes. If you didn't know that, God gets angry. Actually, go to verse number one of the book we were in. Numbers 11, verse number one. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. How, who, who's a parent? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. You worked overtime. You saved money. You set aside money for a few weeks, for a month, whatever, to get your kid that thing that you know they wanted. You got them the doll, and they open it, and they say, but you didn't get me an extra outfit? Oh. What? They open the remote control car. Oh, but you didn't get an extra battery so that when that one dies, I can put it to charge and play with the other? Whoa. How do we feel as a parent? You ungrateful child of mine. 
you get angry. How do you think our Heavenly Father feels when he gives us freedom, the salvation through Jesus, and then we're like, but can I go back to Egypt? It was more comfortable in Egypt. I had food, and, and here I have to eat this manna that I don't even work for. Here's the next one. Write this down. Unthankfulness or ungratefulness brings discouragement. Now, what do you mean it brings discouragement? Watch. It brings discouragement to the people who love you the most. Do you know what Moses says like three verses after this happened there in Numbers? He goes to God and he says, what did I do to you to give me charge over these people? You sound like you don't believe me. But that's what Moses says. Look, look what it says. Verses 11. Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Moses was discouraged. As a matter of fact, he said, kill me if I got to continue to deal with these people. Moses loved the people of Israel so much so that he gave up Egypt as the prince of Egypt to lead them out of freedom into what God had. But he was so discouraged, he was like, man, you must really not like me, God. I mean, I thought you called me. I thought I was doing your work. I thought I was doing, you know, I, 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 can, I can relate to Moses because I've experienced a lot of that in ministry. And it's like, like, really? <laughs> All right. I love them anyways. God, I'm going to love them anyways. I'm going to continue to pastor them, God. But it's discouraging. <laughs> but I'm going to love you. You don't realize it, but when we're ungrateful, it brings discouragement to the people who love us the most. Think of you as a parent with your children. Think of you as a coworker or, or as a boss, if you're a boss. Give your em employees a bonus. You give them a raise. And then they say, oh, but now i got to pay more taxes. You give them an extra day off. Hey, guys, we're going to close on this thing or whatever. But why don't you do it every week? Ungratefulness brings discouragement. To the people who love you the most. And it's destroying you because you can't enjoy what you have. Like, think about the children of Israel for a second. Waking up every morning, going outside, and there was the manna to get together and make your fresh bread. But you didn't even have to drive to Party Cake Bakery to get la libra de pan, right? Like, like, it was there, and all you had to do was put it in and cook it. They make the best pastelitos in Miami, by the way, just in case. If you like pastelitos, party cake bakery. They got about 20 of them. They're amazing. Anyways. <laughs> I'm a skinny fat man because <laughs> I love food. Patty tells me all the time because we'll be, I'll be like full. Like I just finished eating a huge meal and I'll be like, so what are we going to eat for dinner? She's like, how are you thinking about food at a time like this, right? Like. 
ungratefulness didn't let them enjoy where they were. Now, what have we said is the response to overcoming all these potholes? If you remember, it's seek God, listen to God, and obey God, right? One more time. I want you to say it with me. If you're online, type it in the comment box. We're going to seek God, listen to God, and obey God. So can I tell you what God says to us in the word about this? Come and show you. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Ephesians 5, verse number 20. I'm going to give you, we've sought the Lord and we heard him, spoke to us in the word. Now we need to obey him. It says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're writing things down this morning, how do we do this? What do we need to do? Number one, we need to, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. I mean, again, in everything, give thanks. Paul didn't just say this and write this. He lived this. I mean, he actually wrote in Romans, I'm grateful for these afflictions I'm in because through them, I've been able to present the gospel to a ton of people. Have you ever been stuck in traffic that you weren't expecting to see and find an accident when you finally get to it, an accident that just happened? And if you had been on the road the minute before, it probably would have been you. And you pass by and this was your reaction should be, Lord, thank you for delaying me three minutes so that I wasn't that car. And Lord, help those people. In everything, find what to be grateful for. In everything, give thanks. Oh, but all these lockdowns that we just had to go through and be and that stuff and the kids having to be at home instead of at school and all this stuff, it made everything so difficult. Man, can I tell you, that I got to see so much growth in my daughters and in my relationship with them and in time with them and all these different things that, that, that I was able to enjoy, that, that I, I will enjoy for the rest of my life. I thank God for that time. I was talking to a guy uh, who is very successful, very well off, multiple businesses, all these different things. I've known him for years and years and years. And during all this COVID stuff, he, when they were on the phone, and, and he says, David, can I tell you that I realized how much time I lost with my kids while I was with them now during the pandemic? Had an older one and now the younger one and was able to see the younger one learn how to crawl and walk and do all these different things. He says, can I tell you, I'm not going back to working the crazy hours I was working before because I just realized what I was missing and I'm grateful for it. How are we looking at things? So if I tell you that it's a heart thing about being ungrateful, when you renew your mind and renew yourselves in the Lord, your heart changes to being able to find gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude even in the difficult things. Even in the moments of things we don't understand. Even in the things that are in face of us that we don't get. So in everything, give thanks. Always and for everything. Look at Psalm 118, verse 24. Psalm 118, verse 24 says this. Give thanks to the Lord. Or I'm sorry, I wasn't a different translation in my head. This is the day 
that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So if you're writing stuff down this morning, I want you to write this down. Every morning should start with gratitude. Every morning should start with gratitude. Wake up in the morning. Lord, thank you that I woke up today. Instead of turning off your alarm and saying, oh, now I got to get up and I got to get dressed and I got to fight traffic and I got to do this. No, thank God that you have a job, that you can drive, that you can go to the place that you... Thank God, and thank God, more than anything, thank you, that you woke up. Because thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people every day don't wake up. Can I tell you what's the saddest part of it? A lot of them wake up in hell, not heaven. Again, I'm unapologetic about pursuing the presence of God and apologetic about getting people saved. Any encounter I have with somebody needs to at some point mention God in it. Even the lady at Target, hey, God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, we were at, the, at a drive-thru the other day, and we got to the thing, and I looked at the, at the lady in the drive-thru, and she you know, says herself or whatever, and I'm like, ma'am, how are you doing today? Thank you for being here today that I can get my fried chicken. And she just stopped. You can ask Patty. She just looked at me, and about 12 seconds later or 15 seconds later, she was processing it. She said, wow, thank you for saying that. Well, God bless you. He loves you. An encounter at the drive-thru, man, is not hard. Show gratitude. Thank the Lord for things. And, and that about people every waking, not waking up in the morning, guys, that, that's not a COVID thing. As a matter of fact, st the, the statistics have already shown that the mortality rate as a whole across the world it did not spike dramatically with all the lives lost of COVID. So you can go back and look at the actual statistics. So I'm not saying people didn't die from COVID. I'm just saying that when you look at the whole thing, a lot of people died from COVID, but then they didn't die from other things. So it actually stayed the same average as it had been for many, many years. So what am I saying? This has been going on forever. People dying. So what do we need to do when you wake up? God, thank you, I woke up today. Thank you, God. It is a good day. You made today, and you made it for me. You made it for me. Look at what 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Again, we seek God, we listen to God, and then we obey God. So I'm telling you what he says in the word. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And this is what I need you to underline. If you've got a Bible, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, one of the number one questions I get asked as a pastor, how do I know the will of God for my life? Rejoice always. Pray without stopping and be grateful. That's the will of God. No, but, but, but like, what am I supposed to say? No, no, no. If you will find a way to rejoice, pray, and be thankful, don't worry about it. You're in his will, and he's going to guide you. So I want you to write that down this morning. Being grateful is part of God's will for our life. It is part of his will for us to be grateful. 
to be a person, not just on Thanksgiving, celebrating the pilgrims and Indians, having a good old feast because they survived the winter and had the, you know, whatever they ate. But every single day should be a day of Thanksgiving because we need to be grateful for what we have. We are so accustomed to looking at what we're missing. I was talking to a, um, a business owner or boss one time. And they were explaining to me of all this pushback that they were getting from employees because of changes that they made in the business. And all these employees were giving all these pushback. And the boss had a very frank conversation with one of them and said, you need to understand, because the person was like, everything you're doing to change is killing this place. We've done it this way for so long. And the boss looked and said, look at the numbers. At our rate of decline, we would have closed within the next two to three years and everybody be out of business. And these changes, look at now what's the fruit of coming out of these changes. And the response of the person was, but that's the way we've always done it. That's the way we should do it. Dude, you're going to be without of a job. Be grateful for the change. Be grateful for what's taking place. Be grateful as opposed to being the one that's bickering about everything. Again, the guy that gets a raise but says, now i got to pay more taxes. I remember when I was a teacher... I, 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 there was this lady, and, and it was so frustrating to me because the lady was, like, so bold in her speech about being a Christian. And I remember that a position became available for full time. She was a part-timer. And the first person they offered the position to her was her. And she turned it down. And she turned it down because of this. Oh, if I take that full time and make that extra money, I lose the help I get from the government. What are her words? This is about 15 years ago. This is like, and I remember I looked at her and I said, and it got to my ears, right? And I looked at the person and I said, please stop telling people you're a Christian. And she looked at me, what? I said, please, you're such a bad example. You are a horrible example. You are vocalizing that God opening a door of a full-time job, now you are not going to take it so that you can, only work five hours to get free money? Nah, whatever makes it comes free is going to make you a slave. It's ungratitude. Ungratefulness. And it's a sign of the end of days. Right there with lovers of themselves, lovers of money, idolaters, and all these different things. One of the signs of end of days is being ungrateful. Then, look at what Colossians chapter 3 says. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is amazing. I only picked out three verses from it, though, starting in verse 15. He says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Be thankful. Be grateful. Then it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. 
giving thanks in everything you do. You work in retail, when you serve the customer, give thanks to God for it. In whatever you do, give thanks that you're doing it. It's very interesting because when you look up the root word of what it is to be grateful or thankful, it is the word Eucharisteo. It's actually where we get the term Eucharist from. If you came out of Catholicism, you know that when they call the Lord's Supper, they call it the Eucharist. You're receiving the Eucharist. It's very interesting because that is the original Greek word that Jesus uses when he gives thanks at the Lord's Supper, which is why after decades and decades of people saying what Jesus would say in that language, they started calling it the Eucharist. But in reality, it is what it means is you give thanks and everything is the same word that Jesus used when he looked at and wanted to feed 5,000 people. And they and he said, well, what do you've got? And they said, we've got two fish and five pieces of bread. And he got them and he Eucharisteo. He gave thanks to God for it. And what did that giving thanks to God do? It brought the multiplication and the blessing. Can we go back to being a parent? When you see the joy and the gratitude in your children, don't you just want to bless them even more? Don't you just want to even do more and more and more? Because the heart is right. And if the heart is right, I can work with it. See, that's what God wants. Now, I know some of you might be listening to this and like, okay, fine, you give me all this Bible stuff. For those of you who don't know, I love science. And science does not disprove God. In my opinion, science proves God over and over again. And can I tell you that there have been thousands of studies done on gratitude? Medical studies. And I, I printed out a few to talk to you about this morning. Look at what it, this is. This is. I pulled this out of a medical journal thing, okay? Are you ready for this? Gratitude improves sleep. It improves the tendency to exercise. It improves cardiovascular health. Dude, it unblocks your arteries to start being grateful. It actually improves the adherence to medication. A person who is grateful will follow the doctor's orders better, is what that is saying. It improves mood, optimism, and hope. It's a medical study. Watch this one. This one's awesome. Look at what being, having gratitude reduces. It reduces substance abuse. People who deal with addictions to drug, to alcohol, and all these different things, when they start being more full of gratitude, they stop depending on those substances faster. It reduces fat intake. Your body doesn't absorb the fat as much if you're more grateful. Science, people. Scientific study. Here's another one. It reduces your blood pressure. It reduces suicidal thoughts. It reduces inflammation. When you deal with inflammation in joints and in on your feet and your ankles and all these different things, medical studies showed in people who started being purposely grateful, the inflammation started reducing. 
in the perception of the healthcare providers working with the people as they're doing all these tests, there was a perceived difference in their stress and depression. Do you think God knew what he was talking about when he said, in everything, be thankful? Look for the good. Look for what he's doing. Look for the blessing. Look for the good. Look for the good. Be thankful. Say thank you. Be, grat be full of gratitude. Because when you do all of that, your body begins to function in the way that God created your body to function. So let us seek God. Listen to God. Dude, let's obey God. Let's obey God and let's start being thankful. Not just on Thanksgiving. Okay, it's going to be awesome. I know some of you already got your turkey. If you're a good Hispanic, you got your pork. I'm seasoning mine tonight, seasoning mine tonight, because that way it's a few days and get mojo, right? That's when it comes out good. Part of our biggest issue that we're facing as a society. Guys, there was some bad news that came out over the last week. Do you know for the first time ever, the United States had over 100,000 deaths due to opioids this year. The year's not even over. For the first time ever. Drugs. Opioids is a very addictive drug. Um, most addictive drugs have an opioid in them, even pain medications, which is why even as an athlete, if you ever get hurt, they limit the quantity you can take because you develop an addiction. We don't have a drug problem in this country. We have a godless problem. And we have an ingratitude problem. And we've got a lover of self problem. Those are the problems we have. Come on. If you're honest, if when you came to Jesus, those things in your life changed, raise your hands. Your tendency to wanting to do this or to do that or to need this or need the other, it started changing. Why? You found Jesus. So that's why I'm unapologetically chasing the presence of God and trying to get people saved. Because we have a Jesus problem. The fact that people aren't going to him or thinking that we go to a church for us to feel good. Now we're here for him. And as a byproduct, is that he blesses us. Church, not just this Thursday, go around the table and be thankful. But every day. Can I give you a tip, practical tip? Go buy a journal at the 99 cent store and title it your gratitude journal. Like you don't need to buy a fancy one. They sell fancy ones for like $40 online. Dude, just get a, a notebook and get a Sharpie and write on the top of it things I'm thankful for. And every day start writing. Man, I read so many different little studies on this. I read another one that says that people that every night find three things to be thankful for. This wasn't a religious, this was a medical study. Find that three things to be thankful for tend to sleep better. It was about 50 to 75% of the people that did that tended to sleep better than the people that were ungrateful. It's crazy. Find something that's good. 
celebrate it and write it down. Every day, you're going to see your life change. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Father, this morning, I repent for so many times being ungrateful for you bringing me out of Egypt. Lord, times in my life where I've asked you and you've delivered. And then I complain because there was only manna. God, forgive me. I want you to pray that to the Lord this morning. Just right there where you are, God, forgive me for being ungrateful. And tell him, Lord, help me change my attitude and my heart to walk in gratitude, to be grateful. In Jesus' name. Come on, just worship the Lord for a minute right there where you are. Just worship him.